0: Welcome back. Episode ten of the Paddock Pigs podcast. Uh, once again joined by my co-host, Charlie Post. Charlie, you're on the way back from Doncaster, I believe.
1: Yeah, it's been a long four days at the sales. I'm uh, buying three year olds for point to point in investment horses for next year. And we we sold a few yesterday and we, we were actually just up at, up to, up there today looking for sort of horses for owner riders. So the sort of cavalier section the point to point for people that just do it all for the love of the game. But uh, trade's been very strong and that, that we, we, we've come away empty-handed today, so drew a blank. But uh, it's, it's a positive for the industry as a whole. that prices are, for the stores and the horse and train have been very, very competitive.
0: Absolutely, yeah, you, and, and you're keeping busy, aren't you? We're with are uh, new market as well and, and obviously Doncaster again today, so uh, obviously drive safe uh, while, uh, while you join us once again. Uh, myself and Charlie, delighted to be joined by Group 1 winning jockey Holly Doyle. Holly, I believe you're on the way to Sandown this evening? Hello, yeah,
2: I'm on the way to Sandown for um, evening racing, so looking forward to that. <laughs>
0: Fantastic. Uh, Holly, as is normal on the show, I normally prepare a few quick fire, sort of Q&As, a few 50-50s. Uh, I change them up every week, of course, so Charlie can get involved. So I'll um, I'll start with you first. Salt and vinegar or cheese and onion? Salt and vinegar. <laughs> Charlie?
1: Yeah, I'm with Holly there. Salt and vinegar, definitely. The, the, the more vinegary and salty, the better, to be honest. Yeah, I like it almost when it's burning your tongue.
0: It seemed, yeah, like, it seemed like a very fitting question to ask, obviously, now that we're allowed uh, back inside the pubs, which obviously has been a, a great asset with the uh, the weather being so bad recently. Um, Charlie, cats or dogs? This is normally quite a divisive one.
1: Uh, 100% dogs. Uh, I don't mind a yard cat roaming around, but I, I wouldn't really want them in the house, being honest with you.
0: No. And Holly, yourself? Yeah, dogs as
2: well. Catch them it I think, can, uh,
1: yeah, yeah. No, yeah i, 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 I can agree with Holly. Cats are completely disloyal. They only <laughs> come back when they want feeding. Yeah.
0: You know, yeah. Yeah. yeah and they 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 draw their best I think to get fed by as many people as possible, don't they? Like you say, they have they have their own base, but they uh, they tend to wander off, and they're not as loyal as dogs. I think I'd agree with that. Um, Holly, uh, I, I suppose one of the big ones from sport this week: uh, Anthony Joshua or Tyson Fury? Do you have a preference?
2: Probably Anthony Joshua. I just think you see that ultimate athlete, really
0: very professional. Yeah, I think uh, I think I'd agree with that, uh, Charlie yourself. I mean, not even particularly who you would fancy in the fight, but just in in terms of personality.
1: Oh, tough one, really. I mean, look, <laughs> like, I agree with with Holly. Like uh, Anthony Joshua, he's the ultimate professional, isn't he? I mean, he, he's a supreme athlete and everything he does. But there's something outside of some Fury that's a, a maverick talent. I mean, a a big guy that that isn't exactly toned like him shouldn't be able to move like he does as in he's uh, he's, he's almost he's a bit of a genetic freak i really do think he looks like a bloke that, that goes goes down the pub every night but then he moves <laughs> like a ballet dancer it it, yeah. it shouldn't really work but it kind of does yeah yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, but I think obviously as, as, as sports fans we really just want to see that fight happen don't we so hopefully sooner rather than later uh, Charlie come back to you for this one um, salty or sweet popcorn oh
1: um, that is a, that is the that is the toughest one you've <laughs> said this week I think uh, I'm probably just going to go just sweet just yeah I think if I was at the cinema I'd probably want the popcorn sweet
0: yeah yeah and uh, Holly if you're at the pictures are you going for salty or sweet would you say
2: i um, probably salty. A bit of both would be nice, but quite particularly salty. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I think a mix, a mix can't hurt, can it? Uh, and then I thought we had to finish uh, on on a racing one, particularly obviously flat orientated. With yourself on the show this week, Holly, uh, the Rowley Mile or the July course at Newmarket?
2: Um, I I prefer the, the July course. Mm. Um, but a bit more, yeah, you know, bit bit more luck there I suppose. And um, yeah, so I, I find it's a bit nicer to ride.
0: Yeah. Uh, Charlie, I know, Babs, you, you're probably not... You, you may not have... I'm, I'm not too sure. You, you, I'm assuming that you might not have had experience there. But if you were to go on a, a day out at the races at Newmarket, would it be the Rowley Mile of the July course for you?
1: Well, Dom, I actually have ridden on the July course. Back in yeah. those couple of years when I rode in the flat, I did have a ride there for Richard Fahy. Uh mm-hmm. Never rode in the Rowley Mile. Been to the Guineas a few times, and so I love that. But I, I love those evening meetings on the July course and music afterwards. I actually yeah. went to one... Stayed on to watch Tom Jones
0: afterwards. Yeah, fair play. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, that'll do that for that. I believe the uh, end of end of the quick fire questions. Um, obviously, Charlie and Holly both uh, on their way uh, in in the car. So if there's any interruptions, obviously uh, I'll do my best to hold the fort for as long as possible. Holly, um, just looking into your your sort of racing background, I was just uh, intrigued to know, I suppose, how you got into the sport, and I believe it was Herefordshire where you grew up.
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm from Herefordshire. I've just been brought up around horses and ponies all my life, really. My, um, mum and dad both rode and worked in racing, and my grandparents had horses. So I, I, didn't know much, much else, to be honest.
0: No, I think it was. You were nine years old when you first started to ride, I believe.
2: Um, probably. Well, probably quite young. a lot younger than that. I think. Yeah, I rode. I I've rode since I was a baby, but um, <laughs> probably. Nine or
0: ten when I had my first pony race, maybe. Yeah, I, I suppose from that early age, you, you, you kind of knew that there was only, I suppose, one career path for you to take. Would that be fair?
2: Yeah,
0: for sure. I got the bug from
1: a very young age, and that was it. And it was always. I just wanted, just want, Holly. Uh, uh, I just want, like, because for me, like, uh, there was no pony racing around when I started. I, I just, I just thought if you could imagine sort of a, a path into racing without it now, you know, for for, all, for the, all the youngsters out there, it's such a big bonus being able to do that and have some experience, one, going to the races and two, riding that sort of sphere before you actually embark on a professional career.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a massive bonus. I mean, I always wanted to be a jockey, but before all that, I used to do all the other disciplines like show jumping, magic games, you know, everything. And I loved all of that, but as soon as I, I had my first pony race. I literally ditched everything, and it was all racing from then onwards. So I think once you get a taste of it, you're away. You know, you're you're. you're I was determined to do that really. Um, so I was pretty lucky because if I hadn't have been able to get that need, the speed so early on, I I don't know what would have happened.
1: And did you did you have good ponies to ride the pony racing? Because that, the the bits that I've seen and been involved with, there's there's a massive disparity between the. The very quick ones and the very ordinary ones, and and the, the, the sums that they cost now for a good pony, for a good racing pony, is, is is unbelievable. In all honesty.
2: Yeah, when um when I was younger, it was competitive, but it wasn't. I think it's stupidly competitive these days. And I just pony raced my um you know my little pony club hunting pony for the first few years, and I was always last. And then um I bought I saved up and I bought myself um a fourteen two. It cost me three hundred quid. I bought it off John Llewellyn, and then I went on and did that. But because I didn't have a good ponies, I didn't do the race course series. I just did point to point, but that was good enough. I mean, just need you know, just needed to learn the basics. And as long as you've got the passion and drive to do it, I think that's all you need.
0: Um, was it always obviously? Because I think was it was it your dad that was involved in in point to points, Holly?
2: Um, dad. So yeah, dad trained a few pointers when I was a kid. Um. So I was always at the point of point
0: from a young age. But of course, um, I, I suppose when, at what age or, or what stage of your career did you realise that it was going to be the flat code as, as opposed to the national hunt? Or did, did you always kind of have one preference over the other?
2: Um, I always preferred jump racing, to be honest. And I used to look up to like A.P. McCoy and Nina Carberry, but um, obviously I, I'm not very big and I didn't grow, so then when I was about... 13, 14, I was always going to go down the flat route.
1: Yeah. Just wondering if the, the, the flat jockeys, jump race, the early race, have you ridden in that or would you fancy going that?
2: I haven't ridden in that. Um, I'd love to give it a go one day, just finding the right time where I can afford to get busted up because i probably fall <laughs> off, because I'm a bit <laughs> too brave.
0: <laughs> uh, well, of course, if you ever do it, then please be safe. Uh, we, would, we wouldn't want to see that, would we? Yeah. Um, uh, well, obviously, it's 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 fantastic time for for flat racing, Holly, at the moment, and, and, and of course we're not too far away uh, from the Derby Festival at Epsom, and it sounds as though that you know there'll be a limited number of spectators, uh, you know, which obviously sadly we didn't see uh, last year at Epsom. Um, just just talking about the the Oaks are supposed to kickstart with, of course, I believe it was your first ride for uh, Aidan O'Brien in the Dante the, the other week. Is that correct? Yeah, I was
2: actually enough to get the call up from Aidan to ride him on the Dante the other week. Came as quite a big surprise but it was just um you know a huge honor you know you grow up you know watching barry doyle absolute powerhouse of the stable dominate and yeah um ridden trim was just yeah a privilege really
0: and i suppose did you
1: did you get a did you get a free reign like you know obviously tactically you popped out in front was that was that always the plan with aiden discussed or, or i just wondered what what sort of Chad he had with you before racing and how much detail he went into with 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 the ride that he wanted you to to deliver.
2: And um, yeah, that was always the plan, obviously to go forward and um, build build up the tempo, turning in and then um, make it an honest gallop, you know, to make it a true test of stamina. And um, my horse really responded well and outran his odds and ran a really big race. And um, he was just, you know, true professional to speak to on the phone, very relaxed, very chilled, kept thinking, Simple and straightforward.
0: Um, yeah, what you'd expect, really. Mm. I, I, I suppose moving forward, Holly, the, the opportunity to get more rides for for Bally Doyle and, and, and Cormor is something that, uh, again, like you say, your horse, you know, outran his odds completely, didn't he? And and you gave him an absolutely blinding ride out in the front, and that's obviously something that I suppose you will aim to do, and and kind of keep those rides and maintain those rides for those kind of big, um, you know, representatives.
2: Yeah, I mean that's you know, that's that's the aim, isn't it? To try and build your connections and obviously to to have a relationship with Aiden O'Brien would be cool, but I'm under no illusion that he's got his own jockeys and um it was great to get a ride for him so I you know, I'd love to have more but I don't I don't expect too much. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well of course uh, I was reading through kind of the the Derby preview and and one horse that you've been full of praise for um, was John Leeper uh, a horse of, uh, of Ed Dunlop so I believe uh, I think this will be his first classic runner for five years and Charlie I mean he was really impressive at Newmarket the other day wasn't he
1: yeah very much so Dom I mean he's a he's a bluebird pedigree obviously um, at being out of an, an oaks himself in Snow is an absolute star and Look, he he could do no more than win and and win tidally at Newmarket, and and he's an upwardly mobile profile, and and maybe you know, barring sort of Bolshoi Ballet, there's plenty of horses with not question marks, but maybe alongside himself and Mohafes, they they've sort of the really progressive profiles coming into Mm -hmm. the race, and look, if he if he steps forward again, he he's got to be a live contender, and I know. Holly herself has, has, has ridden him. So it would be very interesting to hear her thoughts on him and whether she thinks that he, he can still go forward and bridge that quality gap to potentially becoming a Derby winner.
2: Yeah, he, um, he's a horse I obviously really liked up at Newcastle. and um, gave me a great feel that day and obviously he's gone back up what we thought he'd be capable of at Newmarket. Um, he would have had two quick runs going into the Derby, but so have the others but. You know, he is progressing well. And my only concern would be, he is by Franklin. They kind of tend to become a bit keen. So it's just, some, you know, between now and then, just keeping the lid on him, I think, um, and getting him to settle. Um, you wouldn't want him over racing on those undulations.
0: Yeah. That's, that's... Do you think
1: you'll handle the track? Is, uh, do, 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 is he a sort of horse that gives you the feel that he'll be adaptable enough to cope with the with the undulations of Essam?
2: I don't see why not. I mean, I only rode him at Newcastle on the synthetic, but that yeah. day he felt very correct, agile. He handled Newmarket very well when he hit that rising ground. I, he didn't give me any indications that he wouldn't handle it.
0: Well, I think uh, obviously, and,
1: uh, as you said, that the Frankles can be quite sort of keen, going and excitable. Have you been involved with them at home much? Is is is, is his temperament good?
2: And um, you know, I've never. I never sat on him up until Newcastle and I haven't sat on him since and I don't know if I ever will, but um, he's, he, when I rode him in Newcastle, he was a gentleman. Um, but these frankles can tend to be like that and when you open up the bonnet, you can unleash a few, few uh, unknowns and you know he may, he may settle down and that run just came a bit quick. It was a steadily run affair, which wasn't ideal and it's not going to be a steadily run race in the Derby, so it might not be a problem.
0: Yeah, things like Charlie says as well, Holly, is that he's got a really nice, you know, progressive type and he's obviously, a lot of the, the kind of the trials, I suppose, the form line hasn't always kind of added up this year. So he's got, you know, a, a bit of a kind of like a, I wouldn't say he's an underdog, is he? But he's probably one at the moment that's perhaps a little bit bigger, you know, odds with the bookies and perhaps he should be based on what he's shown. Um, yeah, I'd say so. I
2: mean, the way he's progressing... Through natural progression as well, and ability-wise, I you know I, I do think he could be a, a live contender.
0: Well, of course, if you if you do get the leg up on the on the day, we wish you the best of luck. Um, Charlie, I just thought obviously on the the kind of um the talking about classics, uh, obviously the sad passing of, of Joe Mercer at the age of eighty six um, early this week, sort of you know just under three thousand winners, and and obviously had that infamous partnership with uh, Brigadier Gerard.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, he's uh, and again an unbelievable C.B. and and as you say, uh, like most of those leading riders, there's there's one horse that they're sort of synonymous with throughout their career. And I mean, Brigadier Gerard, what what a what an incredible racehorse he was. I mean, over a variety of trips, and I mean, won the Guineas in one of the probably the best Guineas ever run, beating Mill Reef and um, My Swallow, I think it was, and mm. and then went on to I think win 17 of his 18 starts and, and be involved in so many. Fabulous horse races and yeah. trained by the again a legend in in Dick Hearn and and yeah I mean Joe Mercer's career is one of those that will stand the test of time and I'm I'm sure the horses that he rode and the horses he was involved in of course let's not forget Bustino who was mm. involved in what they described as the race of the century in the King George against Grundy so yeah. he, he's a man that, that that's ridden so many stars of the past I, 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 from what you. are led to believe he's an absolute gentleman of a bloke to be around as well and and yeah a very sad time and then thoughts with his his friends and family
0: yeah well said um holly i'm sure that 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 race of the century at at ascot between grundy and bastino is is one that you've probably seen the highlight reel a few times in the past
2: hello sorry i didn't catch that oh
0: sorry we got you again i think you can you hear me now
2: Oh yeah, sorry. They got you yeah. again.
0: No, i was just saying. Um, the the, the race of the century, uh, Grundy and Bestino Ascot. I'm sure that's uh that that's kind of a contest yeah. and a clash that you've, you you know you kind of grown up watching and you've seen the highlight reel a few times.
2: Yeah, for sure. You know that was an incredible race, isn't it? And you know the Brigadier, you know the Brigadier and the Guineas. It's you know obviously longer for my time, but obviously um, I am fully aware of. Um, <laughs> The things that were achieved, but yeah, it's a, a really sad loss, and I think the industry comes together as one really when this sad thing happens. It's very sad.
0: Yeah, yeah, very well said. A, a legend of the game, and obviously, thoughts with Joe's uh, friends and family. Speaking of uh, Ascot Holly, uh, it would be rude not to mention your win aboard um, Scarlet Dragon uh, at 33 to 1 in the Duke of Edinburgh last year. I believe that was your first Royal Ascot winner.
2: Yeah, Scarlet was my first Royal Ascot winner. It was. Yeah, one of the highlights
0: of my, my career so far. It was a great day. We had um, we had your boyfriend, Tom, uh, on the show. Tom Arquand uh, spoke to us, and I kind of asked him about Royal Ascot and Glorious Goodwood, and, and I know obviously Charlie as well is, is a fan of Glorious Goodwood, but I always envisage that being a flat jockey, Royal Ascot is probably where, you know, that's like your Cheltenham Festival on the flat. Would that be fair to say?
2: Yeah, for sure. Royal Ascot would be like the Cheltenham Festival for us, um, more so over Goodwood. <laughs>
0: Ascot
1: must be a pretty favourite track of yours, full stop. Though hasn't it? I mean, some of your some of your absolute best days have, have been there, haven't they?
2: Yeah, my best days in the saddle have probably been at Ascot. So it's just such a lovely track to ride as well, and a nice place to be. So just makes it all the nicer, doesn't it? And to have a bit of success there is not too bad either.
1: No, and, and, and just with Scarlet Dragon, I just want, uh, Alan King, someone that you ride a bit for, and he. he he's really, I mean, Alan King's a brilliant trainer anyway, I mean, all those Cheltenham Festival winners, but he's really making a name for himself on the flat and, and building a stronger and stronger team every year.
2: That's it, I think um, Alan's, you know, taking a big liking to the flat now after his successful um, season last year at Royal Ascot and Champions Day, he had a few winners over uh, both the venues and he, um, yeah, he's just got such an amazing understanding of a horse, you know, to ride for, he's He's just exceptional and I think he um, he's gonna have a you know he's gonna be a, a, a big name in the flat game very soon. <laughs>
0: But of course, uh, as Charlie rightly says, uh, Alan King's someone that you've uh, that you've ridden for plenty, and obviously, I just thought we'd be best to talk about obviously your your association with uh, Imad Al Cigar, and obviously being retained rider for him. He's of course got many horses with the likes of you know John and Thady uh, 80 Gosden, Roger Charlton, Amy Murphy, Marco Botti. So, how does being retained by an owner differ from being retained by a yard? Would you say?
2: Um, what I think is. I suppose it is different, but um, I don't know, Imad's got probably 40 in training and um, you know, he's known a breeder and it's just really nice to be involved with someone so passionate about their horses. Um, you know, I, I've only had the job through the mid, middle, uh, middle to back end of last year, so this is my full year with them and um, already just getting to know some of the two-year-olds has been um, really nice and just looking forward to the season now going ahead.
1: Would you would you speak to him directly much, Holly?
2: Yeah, all the time. Every time I ride for him, I ring him directly and after, He's so passionate. He um he knows his horses inside out. He's big on the breeding, obviously, and um yeah, it's just like I said, it's nice to be involved with someone that loves the game so much.
1: And I'd like just having that relationship, as you say, a retained jockey for an owner. It does give you opportunity to get into other yards as well, doesn't it? You know that you're you're probably hoping can cultivate more opportunities within those yards just by being involved with riding out there
2: that's it I've already managed to you know ride winners for trainers that I wouldn't have ever ridden for probably you know like Mr Godden, Roger Charlton you know I, I don't know if I ever would have ridden many winners for Mr Charlton if it wasn't for um imagine I get outside rides to those trainers now which is great and you know Roger Varian's got a few so I ride out there and it just gets my name out and gives me an opportunity to prove myself.
1: And like any sportsman being involved with that sort of, you know, those yards with the quality on offer, it just only helps to build your own confidence, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, that's it. Like, like I said, I, I don't know without that retainer, would I have got the opportunities of such high profile trainers, but um, having the success I've had for him, had almost given me a little bit of a boost and, Given them their kind of um, trust in, in me that they need to put me
0: up. Well, I think obviously being be retained by an owner it, it goes to show obviously the the progression that that, that you as a, as a jockey and that upward curve that you're on and obviously it's it's fantastic to see. I was looking through um, your rides ahead of the the weekend, Holly, and I believe you're off to the Curra to ride Glen in the uh, the Greenland Stakes. Yeah, really looking forward to getting over there. It's Glenn's first run back, and um,
2: he's one over course and distance and he'll have his ground so I don't, I don't see any reason for him not to run a big race really um I think he, he should run well I'm going to stay over then to ride on the Sunday for um Willie Mullins I ride True south in the gold cup so that's exciting as well
1: absolutely have you ridden at the car before
2: um yeah a few times I've been over but I have only ridden on the sprint track so I need to have a look round has the Uh, I'm
0: going to ride over 10 furlongs in the Gold Cup, so I'll have to have a look. Fantastic. And he he was, uh, Glenn Shield, of course, your your first Group 1 winner uh, on Champions Day at Ascot uh, back in October. And obviously it was part of a double for yourself and your boyfriend, Tom, that day. So we obviously spoke to Tom about it uh, a a couple of weeks ago. What's your recollections from that day? I mean, uh, we obviously talk about Royal Ascot and, and, and winning in the Duke of Edinburgh, but I imagine that that probably eclipsed it
2: it was unreal i think we've both accepted now that i don't think we'll ever experience anything like that ever again but yeah it was you couldn't have called it at all it was um an unreal day we both walked away kind of pinching ourselves and i think we walked 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 away and got in the car and we were in silence for 20 or 20 minutes or so didn't know what to say
0: (laughs) No, it was a, a very memorable day watching. Obviously, the, I suppose the only shame is that, that there wasn't a crowd there, which uh, which it, it, you know it, it thoroughly it thoroughly deserved, and it kind of propelled you into that sports personality of the Era award, which is obviously another thing that we have to mention. Where you finished third behind Lewis Hamilton and, and Stuart Broad. I mean, how did how did you find the whole experience? And, and you know, it felt like you really put horse racing kind of back into the mainstream and, and back on the map in in, in the wider in, you know in the wider sporting world
2: yeah it was obviously like absolutely amazing to get nominated and a huge privilege i just found it all quite overwhelming because it's um you know being in the spotlight and stuff like that isn't really my cover too but it was you know i could never have envis- envisaged being you know nominated for that award growing up it was um yeah dreams come true really mm-hmm.
0: I think um, I think we we were obviously all siding with with Holly Charlie, weren't we? And and like I say, I think as as racing fans and, and and obviously for for someone like yourself as well, who works you know still so closely in the sport, there was a great sense of pride for for Holly's achievements and obviously horse racing, you know, being put into the spotlight as a whole as well.
1: But without doubt, I mean, um, you know, again, Holly, I, I know she won't lightly say in it because like we, we all go, we want it, we wanted just to become about being a jockey, but she's. You know, a trailblazer in her own right, and, mm-hmm. and doing again. You know, there's been plenty of fantastic female riders, and she's the next one on that line. But with an, you know, a riding Group One winner so early in her career, and and the number of winners she's riding, like she she has a, a chance of going on to potentially being a champion jockey in the years to come, and and that would be an incredibly special thing. And with herself alongside Rachel Blackmore over the jumps. You, you've got two female riders now that are that are you know very much comfortable at the top table on the higher echelons of the sport, and like I say, are potential champion jockeys themselves. And, and when that happens, I, I think it will be a, an absolutely phenomenal achievement and, it'll, and a, a, a groundbreaking day for the sport. And I don't think it's far away.
0: No, no, very well said, Charlie. Um, Holly, I, sp- I suppose just to conclude. Uh... Moving forward for the rest of the season, do you still have any hopes, you know, aspirations, targets, anything that you, you know, when when twenty twenty one comes to a close, that you would like to have achieved? Would you say?
2: Um, I don't really set targets, but I would probably like to ride more winners than last year.
0: Would
2: mm-hmm. be nice. Um, I like to just build on each year, but it's going to get to a point where I struggle with that. But um, yeah, I'd like to just get on some nice horses and. Keep improving as a rider and just take all the opportunities that they, that come with come at me.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I, I suppose as well, a, a classic winner obviously is, is, is the dream for every flat jockey, and, and that that would be something that would be fantastic to achieve as well.
2: Yeah, that'd be a uh, that'd be a dream, but um, but I'm not. I uh, I know how hard they are to come come across. <laughs>
0: Yeah, they're no, very hard indeed, um, Charlie. Uh, with obviously the, the news that, that, that fans are, are kind of back in in a small, um, you know, minority at racecourses, it's, it's brilliant to see. Will you be getting down to the track uh, at, at any point uh, over the summer?
1: Well, it's brilliant to see, but I mean, with the, with the restricted numbers they're talking about, I don't think it's going to be that easy. I mean, uh, I'm still not quite sure how we're only allowed sort of four thousand fans a day mm. or something at Royal Ascot when yeah. you've seen all the other things that are going on in the world. So. Look, it's great that we can get fans back on track. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would, I would love to be one of the lucky people to go to Royal Ascot. Whether that's going to happen or not, I'm not sure. But you're hoping that once once this starts, it's going to be, it's going to be not that long afterwards that we can start getting proper sized crowds back to these big meetings. And, and as you say, day in day out, because uh, so many of these race courses are, are crying out for it, and. and Everyone within the sport, I mean, I should imagine from a riding point of view the the jockeys can't wait to have proper crowds back there. Because, yeah, I mean, much as the competitive nature of the riding is still the same, I I can't imagine it has quite the same sort of spice to it as it does Mm -hmm. when you've got tens of thousands of people there roaring you on. and, And for the good of every sport, like I say, having atmosphere and people back on site is going to be so important, something to really look forward
0: to. Yeah, of course. But I think like you say, Charlie, the, the 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 likelihood of obviously fans, you know, being a, in, a, in a slightly bigger quantity at, at Ascot looks like it's not going to happen. It will be around 4,000, but obviously the facility there is so big. I mean, it really does come as, as, as a surprise, doesn't it? You know, but I think you look at obviously football stadiums where it's a, it's a far more enclosed space and you've got, you know, kind of upwards of, of 6,000 fans, say, for example, in the last couple of days. And this is obviously still a month away. So it, it is a bit of a shock.
1: Yeah, it's madness. As in, like you know, I mean, most of it you're you're outside, you're you're in the fresh air. And I mean, Holly, you be able to tell you, the four thousand people at, at at Royal Ascot using the facilities there, it'd be like a ghost town, you know. As in, <laughs> the, yeah, you, you, can actually,
2: yeah.
1: you, can, you know, Isn't it, Holly? You know, you can have you can have fifty thousand people at Ascot, and there's still plenty of space. So four thousand people, yeah, they'll be they'll be rolling around there without without a soul in there it just doesn't make any sense to me but there we go it is a positive in that we're having spectators paying public back on tracks but I yeah. can't see for the life of me why it isn't more than 4,000 people especially at a site like Ascot
0: yeah uh, Holly is, is there a sense from the from the weighing room that that jockeys are really just just fed up of kind of that eerie feeling at race now and you, you kind of really miss that roar as, as you're coming up past the post
2: yeah, I mean, sad that it sounds like we should be lucky that we got to continue racing through the whole situation. But it has been a long few months, especially over the winter at your know, Wolverhamptons and Lingfield. being been pretty gloomy um, and a bit depressing, really. But um, it's good to have some crowds back. But like Charlie said, I mean, we were the first, first sport to kind of get things back, back on track. And it seems that we're the last to kind of yeah. have the people people back back in so it
0: does seem very weird yeah no of course and, and obviously Tom has, has experienced the uh, down under hasn't he that kind of normality and that sense of normality with the crowd but I don't exactly think that we're, that we're too far away and, and obviously fingers crossed uh, we can get back on track you know in a, in, in a proper manner sooner rather than later but as, as Charlie and Holly both say it's fantastic that there's some form of, uh, of, of, of kind of race goer uh, back, you know, back on the race course um, day in day out and obviously you know Hopefully that that continues to to improve day by day. Uh, Charlie and Holly, it's a, it's been a fantastic show. And, and obviously, thank you very much for your time. And, and obviously, both drive safe. Charlie, no doubt, we'll um, catch up with you again uh, next week. And uh, Holly, uh, obviously, have a have a, have a good time uh, at Sandown this evening. Obviously, best of luck at the Curragh uh, on the Saturday. And best of luck for the rest of the season as well. Excellent.
2: Thank you for
0: having me. Thank you.